Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the one and only and wonderful Anna Kelly. Hi, Anna. Hi, good to be here today. Oh, this one's going to be good. You and I talked about what we thought pain, the definition of pain was in episode number two. I feel it is only right that we talk about how long this pain might last uh, because I think, you know, I, I I think there's lots of options and um, what do you, I'll let you go first. When when I talk about how long this can last, what are your first thoughts? What are you thinking? Uh, Any opinions or thoughts? Sure. I believe that this pain is going to last a lot longer than what the markets are anticipating. I think this pain is going to last a lot longer than what uh, a lot of investors think. Many people kind of have the idea that the U.S. economy has been stronger than ever. We just had a blip during the pandemic. It's still stronger than ever, evidenced by low unemployment and high wages. And those are the two numbers that make people very optimistic that we can get through, you know, this, this Fed rate increases and inflation with a very soft landing. But I watch a lot of underlying fundamentals of, of the country and our economics. And essentially, there's four key sectors of things that we watch. We watch employment, we watch wages, we watch production, and we watch consumption. Mm-hmm. Consumption's coming down drastically. Production is coming down drastically. Wages on an inflation-adjusted basis are actually negative right? They look really high, but on an inflation adjusted basis, they're negative. And we are starting to see layoffs. And so all of those four um, numbers that we really track are coming down to baseline and some are trending negative already. So when we look at the economy as a whole, we look at, as we talked about in video number two, that there are so many companies with so much debt um, that they are going to have to lower profit expectations and probably going to start being unprofitable in many, many cases. I think that there's, we're just at the beginning of pain. And so my expectation is that in you know through 2023, we still have a stagflationary environment where we've got increased inflation, especially in food, energy, and housing. Um, even if the other discretionary spending kind of comes down to bring that inflation number down. And at the same time, we have negative growth. We have recessionary conditions. We have an increase in unemployment. The other thing that I'll just add out there is those people that look at unemployment are just looking at a teeny tiny piece of the puzzle. If you look at labor force participation, Michael, we are at an all-time low of 68% participation in, yeah, in the labor force. So 32% yeah. of the population is not working. Some of that's because they don't want to work, but mm-hmm. some of it's because the job openings that are there that make the economy look strong are actually mismatched with the skills that workers actually have. So they can't be filled. So when you look at labor force participation and all this negativity and the pain that Powell said is coming, corporate bankruptcies, corporate layoffs, you're not only going to raise the unemployment, but you're starting from a very poor number already of labor labor force participation. Household debt has gone through the roof again. The savings that people had post-pandemic are all but off the table and debt is increasing. And so I think that that means the pain has just begun. I would expect an average recession from the beginning of time that it's been tracked lasts about 10 to 18 months. 
I think that this recession, whether it's called a recession or not, the economic pain between inflation, recession, stagflation, and layoffs, I believe it's going to be at least 18 months with probably two years of recovery if we look at history. If things don't get worse with some type of cataclysmic national event or global war with China going toward Taiwan or Russia escalating even more with Ukraine, I think that this this pain probably lasts us three to three and a half years before we oh. really get back to a robust recovery. And so that is my doom and gloom expectation, but there's reasons for it. When you look at the un underlying economics on both a macro and microeconomic basis, like I do, I don't believe that this is a quick bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. I think the notion of a March 20 V-shaped bottom is comical. If anybody really thinks we're going to just snap back. Right. Uh, I, I think I think the notion of a Fed pivot is is comical. I think I think Powell is serious. I've done yes. enough research about Volcker and actually it's funny when you when you if you go out and research Volcker without researching Arthur Burns, you're only getting half the picture. Yes. You have to go read Arthur Burns. And Jerome Powell was flirting with danger becoming Arthur Burns. And I think he's made it clear he wants his legacy to be, you know, Volker 2.0. And if you understand that degree of Delta, you will realize he is serious. That's why I think he ripped up his Jackson Hole speech, threw it away, and did a, almost an eight-minute off-the-cuff, pain is coming, I'm serious, right? Um, Absolutely. You're, you're not yeah, hearing me. And just to clarify what you mean by that, for those that haven't studied Volcker, is before Volcker got really serious, they kept raising rates. They were trying to kill inflation with additional rates, but they kept stopping short saying, I think we've done enough. Yes. And so, you know, rates would come down and then all of a sudden the there's optimism and the economy rears back and they're spending and rates keep going up. And so you had many different things happening in, in the 70s, oil embargo and high wages, et cetera, high labor force participation, meaning spending a lot of money. And so Powell has basically said, we are not going to stop short and make the mistake to just kick back and relax and wait to see what happens. Inflation is such a dangerous thing to the economy if it gets significantly worse, that they're willing to put us in a recession and keep us there a while because their answer to recession is always lower rates again. Exactly. Well, they can't afford to put us in a recession, lower rates again, and then have inflation rear its ugly head back. So they have to keep raising Till there's enough pain that it's clear that recession that recession is bad enough and inflation is low enough for a sustained period of time that they can pull back, maybe stop raising. But I don't see them going negative for a while. Yeah, it um, for me, there's a couple of things I've said, and, and I want to see how this hits you. You and I have seen a lot, right? We, we've obviously experienced um, close and personal what was called the dot com crash. Yes. We saw the Great Recession up close and personal. This is kind of the third yucky environment. I, I've actually said this, and I mean it, and, and I'm curious how it hits you. I think 2023 might be the worst economic year in my adult life, and that includes what I've already been through. That does not make me feel good to say, but right. I just see lots of just uh, – it's, it's going to be the closest thing to like, you know, I don't know, 1978 or 74, just a yucky year, just just terrible, I think. Yes, I agree with you. And again, we we tried to end the last you know session on a positive note, and we can always find glimmers of hope. We can always find opportunities in every market, right? In some ways, really tough economic situation is really what separates 
investors that are going to be successful from those that are. We have to be able to be positive and optimistic about the long-term uh, health of the U.S. economy, the long-term health of real estate as investors. But we can't put blinders on and pretend that things are going to get back to normal. Um, the biggest mistake that I made, and I just did a post about this this week, was in 2008, I thought I knew a lot. And I, I did. I knew a lot about the you know, retail investments, about AIG. I worked there for Pete's sake. I thought I knew a bit about real estate and I was completely blindsided because I didn't understand the fundamentals and the intricacies of the U.S. financial system and the things that could take it down. You know, we, we, we want to have confidence, never bet against America, never bet against the Fed. But the reality is there's certain points in history where so many complex issues converge to, to basically pull down the economy that if we're not watching, we're going to be slaughtered, you know, financially. And mm -hmm. so it's important for us to be realistic about what we're seeing and say, what are we going to do to protect ourselves first and foremost, and then try to move the needle on our financial goals, even in the midst of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I do believe, and I agree with you, although I hate to say it, I think that 2023 is going to be one of the most painful periods for the U.S. economy that we've seen in a very long time. And I alluded to this, I won't get real in-depth on this, maybe for another show, mm -hmm. um, but I was just listening to an economist who's who's in his 70s. He's been through a lot of different you know, financial situations, mm -hmm. um, mini crises, if you will. And he's very, very concerned about the derivatives market. So okay. the, the fact that right now we're dealing with this at the same time that we have massive American debt, you know, $8 trillion of debt, which went up trillions, I think four to five trillion has been in the last two years since the pandemic and all of the different social programs. We have so much debt, but that's only what's on paper. We also have a $40 trillion plus derivatives market. And so the things that took down the financial system in 08, it was really derivatives. It, it was, was CDOs and yeah, credit know. default swaps, all these types of basically investments, um, financial products, financial in engineering that all of our major financial system uh, leaders invest in. And basically all of that has to be denominated in US dollars. And while we talk about an increase in, in money supply that's caused inflation, the money printing that the federal government does doesn't really make a net change because it's still being traded. It's, it's, it's out and it comes back in. They're buying bonds and they put them back out. So it doesn't really get to the American people's pocketbooks, but it's substantially backed by collateral that's backed by collateral that's backed by collateral. So you might have five times and it's four to five times the, the amount of debt for every dollar that's being traded that's in these derivative financial products that all have to have US dollar, dollar collateral. And there's not enough collateral to offset the amount of debt um, for these investments right now. So he's really worried that we end up having a financial system collapse because of the derivative market, in addition to all the things we're already talking about. So that's something I'm just starting to really watch again. Um, I've been a little bit concerned about it. We've had a, a large increase in commercial loan products, similar to the ones that took down the financial system in yeah, the I can't, in 2008. That, that, so that is, that's something you and I talked about last year is I can't believe we are repeating in the commercial market the same kind of stupid lending that brought down residential bridge loans, right. IO, bad assumptions, short term. Right. I'm like, can't I can't believe we're doing this again. And if you think it's bad in commercial real estate, 
it's even worse in in corporate lending. It, it is, yeah, you know, yeah. Corporate loan obligations, collateralized debt obligations, and so it's the corporate lending and it's the products that are hedging against other corporations and defaults, similar to credit default swaps, just in a different name, mm -hmm. um, that really put major employers at risk. We're worried about companies having to lay off and maybe you know go go negative or go bankrupt. So we haven't talked about the the fact that the growth in the U.S. economy over the last 12 years has really not been substantial when you look at the American people on an inflation-adjusted basis compared to the debt that's stimulating that growth. Mm -hmm. And so our debt to GDP is the highest that it's ever been. Yeah. So for every dollar of increased debt that you have, the amount of growth you get for that increased debt is very, very minimal, right? And so we really don't have this robust growth in the entire economy. We have robust growth in the U.S. Um, markets, right, in the stock market, in asset values. But the the ability to service that debt is becoming worse and worse and worse. And so I just think we have to we have to not lose sight of as we talk about real estate and you know people's pocketbooks and recession of what's going on in the shadow banking system, if you will, mm -hmm. with collateralized debt obligations that really could cause this to get worse. And again, we're watching China and, and their desire to go after Taiwan. We're watching today as Putin's threatening, threatening nuclear, um, you know, nuclear movement, um, mm -hmm. nuclear threats. And so those things are going to impact our global economy and our U.S. economy, no doubt. And I think if those things happen to converge, we're in deep, deep pain in the next year. So yeah. number one, rule number one, don't lose money. Make sure you're preserving your capital. Make sure you have some liquidity. Don't borrow at 10 or 12% on everything you do and not have reserves and not be able to service your debt, mm -hmm. or you'll make the same mistakes that investors did, you know, that brought us down yeah. in 08 and 09. So focus on preservation of capital, do conservative deals, and really try to boost your income. I'm really taking less risk for huge upside and appreciation right now. And I'm focusing on making a little less returns, but continuing to produce additional cash flow that'll allow me to weather some economic pain. And that's something that I would suggest all of you consider. Yeah. To wrap this episode up, uh, you know, this might be three years, as Anna said, on the outside. Uh, that means three years of opportunities. Uh, a couple yeah. of things. We are not doing good deals. If you go back and look at my playlist and watch some of the old, older videos, I talk about doing good or great deals. Good left the building. We are only doing great. Uh, many of you, if not most of you, have no idea what a great deal is in your market or your buy box. That's on you. Figure it out. Do the work. Move forward. Uh, lastly, something that I've been doing, we've talked about, and I will continue to do is skill up. I will add more and more skills, get more and more creative. Yeah. I look forward I, at the micro level, am ecstatic about the next three years, if there's three years of pain, because I know I've been set up a fortress to, to handle it and take advantage of the opportunities. But at the macro level, I don't feel good talking about 2023 being the worst year. So, folks, take care of yourself at the micro level. Let's take advantage, but do the work, do the work, do the work. It's daily discipline. Anna, where can people find you? Great. You can find me every week here on our playlist. You can find me at my website at reimom.com for coaching and masterminding. And if you're an accredited investor and you're looking to invest in multifamily assets that can weather a recession, hedge inflation, and do good to the people that live in our complexes, you can find more about my future investment opportunities at greaterpurposecapital.com. Anna, thank you so much. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.